0: Hi folks, a very quick announcement before we get started on the episode this week, and that is a huge thank you to Katie Unicorn-Stewart. I don't know if your middle name really is Unicorn, if it is, that is an awesome name. So the fabulous Katie Unicorn-Stewart gave us a recent review on Apple Podcasts about the recent Governance Summit Summary. So five stars for Take On Board, she says, loved the recent Governance Summit Summary podcasts, super useful. Katie, happy to help. Thank you so much and thanks for taking the time to do a review. So a little prompt for others that might be listening. I love it when I get reviews and you might get read out on the pod as well. So get in there and work out how to do ratings and reviews and let me know what you think of the pod. All right, on with the show. Hello, and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halja Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable, and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging, and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks, and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio will also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'll be talking with Amber Roberts. Amber is a non-executive director of Greenpeace Asia-Pacific. And she's also the Chair of the Nominations Committee, which is how I came to meet her. Amber is the Manager of PwC Indigenous Consulting and formerly worked with the Australian Human Rights Commission, Reconciliation Australia and the Diversity Council of Australia. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Amber.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: Oh, It's so great to have you here, Amber, because the reason I've asked Amber to be with us today is because in the Facebook group... I was asked to explore a couple of questions. One was around when and how and whether to do an Acknowledgement of Country at the start of meetings, and secondly, to explore board and company capacity to contribute to Indigenous reconciliation. So I'm conscious that we're already a few minutes in, Amber, and I haven't done an Acknowledgement of Country. So I'm wondering whether you might be able to do that for us, and then we can have a conversation about it.
1: Of course. Thank you. So I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land in which we meet today. So I'm in Sydney, and so the traditional owners are the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and I'm conscious, Helia, you're at in Melbourne, which would be the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. So I acknowledge those nations and peoples and their elders past, present, and those who are yet to come. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And it... It reminds me, Amber, that I have, I've never acknowledged country on any of my podcasts. And indeed, the question arose about acknowledging country at meetings. How should it be done?
1: Yes, it's a good question. And it's something that often comes up in the work that I do. I guess probably if I could go back a little bit, if before I answer that question, have you been asked by your podcast followers, what the differences are between acknowledgement to country and...
0: Ah, and a welcome. I haven't. And in fact, you know, even before we go there, I've given your brief bio, but can you just give us a bit about you? So, Amber, just tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure, no worries. So, I'm an Aboriginal woman. I grew up in uh, far north Queensland on the Atherton Tablelands in rainforest country. My family have had a couple of generations of fostering. So my father, auntie and uncle were fostered in the 1950s from Brisbane and their father, my grandfather, was fostered also from Brisbane um, in the 1920s. So I think it's important when I introduce myself of that history because it is a quite an important part of Australia's history and Aboriginal history. I have traditional connections to central Northwest Queensland but because of the history of fostering and generations of fostering I don't really have to I don't really have family connection that I know of there. So my place and where I call home and I'm most connected to is the rainforest country in far north Queensland. So I think that's really important because when introducing yourself, Include And I think this is very um, important when someone provides a welcome, uh, an acknowledgement to country, is to acknowledge the place where you grew up and where you're most connected to. I think that's a really important part of identity and acknowledgement of the traditional owners of the land in which you are most connected to. So that's me in terms of my identity. I'm a mum of two beautiful girls um, and my partner is also from far North Queensland. So we, based in Sydney, uh, often um, we keep the connection going for our children back to North Queensland. In my career, as you mentioned, I've mostly worked in, in I've worked in a number of different areas, but always advocating for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and better outcomes and opportunities for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander
0: people. Fantastic. And I know that that's also, I mentioned very briefly at the start, Amber, that you and I met through your board role at Greenpeace Asia Pacific and I'm on the General Assembly there and you and I work together on the nominations committee and I know from that work there also how strong you are in, you know, representation and and so on. So thank you for the work you do there and thank you for being here to have this conversation as well.
1: No worries, thank you.
0: Back to what we touched on earlier about before we get into acknowledgement and should it shouldn't be done. You're absolutely right. Let's talk about what's a welcome, what's an acknowledgement. Can you give us the the 101 there?
1: Thank you for that question, Helia. Um yes, yeah, so the difference between a welcome to country and acknowledgement to country. I guess I'll start with a welcome to country is a protocol for welcoming visitors to country, which has been part of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's culture for thousands of years, since a millennium. There were more than 250 languages spoken, traditional Indigenous languages spoken in Australia before 1788 with over 800 dialects. So there's many traditional owner groups Um, And I guess it's really important to acknowledge that anywhere in Australia is Aboriginal land. So welcome to country is where an elder or a person, an Aboriginal person who has been given traditional, have been given permission to provide a welcome, provides a welcome to the visitors coming into their country. And the overarching reason for that is so that they they are offered safe passage, I guess, and protection for their spiritual being while they are in that country. So it's such an important protocol. And then acknowledgement country is an opportunity for anyone to show respect for traditional owners and their continuing connection of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples to that country. So an acknowledgement of country can be done by Aboriginal people and it can be done by non-Indigenous people. There are no real set protocol wording for an acknowledgement to country, but there are many examples of, of scripts, I guess you could say, that can help. People to provide an acknowledgement to country if they're unsure?
0: It's an interesting question or an interesting aspect, I guess, around the scripts. Certainly in the Facebook group, when this question was raised about do we acknowledge, how do we acknowledge, there is a real, I guess, want to be able to do it in a really genuine way rather than just the script. What's your advice to board members about? how to do it in a way that is genuine and sincere and getting it right as well? It's
1: hard because some people, I guess the level of education in this country has been quite limited in with regards to um, the history of Australia and Aboriginal peoples. And I guess why acknowledgement of country, countries is important is that because of this long history of I guess exclusion in, in history books, in the Australian anthem, in in policies, in there's so many social and economic areas across the sort of country that have excluded Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. So I think in terms of providing an acknowledgement. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, it's really important to understand place, and I I do agree. I think the more genuine you can provide an acknowledgement to country, the better. However, some people, I guess, not confident or maybe afraid they might say the wrong thing um, when they provide their acknowledgement to country. Um, So sometimes having a script is useful when someone is starting out if you haven't done that done it before a script is useful but the more that you someone does it the more confident you will be to provide an acknowledgement and as i mentioned place is really important so for example some of the best acknowledgement to countries i've heard when someone has taken the time to think about what they, they're going to say in the acknowledgement before a meeting. Often we're all racing around with back-to-back meetings and sometimes it, we just don't properly take that time. But I think it's important to do so and some of the best uh, acknowledgements I've heard is when people have taken that time and maybe even if it's like a walk along the the river as you're coming to work or something that acknowledges the place that you are in and taking that in and weaving that into an acknowledgement, I think is really great if someone is confident enough to do that.
0: I'd noticed that when you spoke about your place and that that's important. So can I Check there, although it might be one or both. Is it about the place that you are acknowledging, or is it about your place in your history?
1: That's a really good question, and I think it can be both. Mm. To be honest, mm. I think so often, and I didn't do this, but often when I introduce myself, I um, introduce the traditional owners of the land in which I grew up mm-hmm. on, because I didn't grow up on traditional country. So that the land, um, traditional owners of the land where I grew up is Najinji country and they're rainforest peoples. And so I think it's so important for people to personalise their acknowledgement to countries as well. So it's about the person providing the acknowledgement to country.
0: And it is also about the place. Right. So it could be both or either.
1: The acknowledgement to country about the place in which you're meeting is um, very important. That's the primary sort of purpose of the acknowledgement. But if you can personalise your connection to the place that you're meeting or acknowledge where you're from, that's really important
0: too. Actually, at the Greenpeace board, if I can ask, how does it work there? Does the chair acknowledge country? How does it work at that board?
1: So often it will, the chair of the board will provide an acknowledgement to country at the start of board meetings. And then at our AGM, I have for the last couple of years provided an acknowledgement to country. Um, I think there's room for those meetings, particularly AGMs. And I think this is quite, this would go for most AGMs. I think it really is important for those really significant meetings to have an elder, a traditional elder of that land where you're meeting to provide a welcome. So acknowledgement to countries and welcome to countries would usually happen at the very start of any meeting. So before the formalities start.
0: It's a great point, and for for people listening, we Amber and I had a conversation before we started recording about whether we do the acknowledgement right at the start of this one or after I'd done the introduction. And it was, would have been a little unusual to do it without the context, but by the same token, potentially should have been done right at the start. I think I'm hearing there, Amber.
1: Yes, yeah, that's right. I think it is really important to have um, that acknowledgement or welcome at the start of the meeting, and then I think at Significant meetings, as I mentioned, like AGMs, it is good to have a traditional owner welcome you to country. At meetings like board meetings, which happen sort of quarterly or regularly, uh, you could have both, but often um, we would have an acknowledgement to country by the chair at our meetings at Greenpeace.
0: So, one thing we are just about to introduce at one of my boards is doing an acknowledgement of country at every meeting, which doesn't happen regularly now. It does at some, but not at all. And the way we are planning on doing it is rotating it around the different board members. So, a different board member will do it at each meeting, which we are hoping will bring a bit more of, I guess, that connection and preparation for it as it gets moved around the different directors.
1: Yeah, that that sounds like a great approach because from what we've been talking about, the the person providing the acknowledgement to country gives a different perspective, might give a different perspective to the other. So I think that's a great approach.
0: At Greenpeace or in other organisations that you've seen, what about committee meetings or even team meetings? Should there be an acknowledgement at all of our... Gatherings, no matter how big or small or how regular? What's your advice there?
1: Yeah, that's a good point and good um, question. It's hard to say. Ideally, personally, I think we should be having acknowledgement to countries at all our meetings. But sometimes it can become like a script and be quite generic, I guess, at every meeting. And so it is hard. I guess it does come down to the, I guess, how regular these meetings are. But if they are quite regular, at PwC's Indigenous Consulting, we have a team meeting every second week. And we do still do an acknowledgement to country. And a different team member does, does it at each meeting um, because we rot- rotate the chair anyway so the chair does the acknowledgement if I could quote paragraph of Mick Dodson so he described what the meaning of country is and that it's more than ownership or connection to land so just to give a little bit more context around primarily welcome to country the protocol of welcome to country and how This has, I guess, evolved into acknowledgement of country because, I guess, acknowledgement of country is quite a contemporary thing. But his quote, talking more about what more than just ownership or connection to land, he says, when we talk about traditional country, we mean something beyond the dictionary definition of the word. For Aboriginal Australians, we might mean homeland or tribal or clan area, and we might mean more than just a place on the map. For us, country is a word for all the values, places, resources, stories, and cultural obligations associated with that area and its features. It describes the entirety of our ancestral domains. While they may all no longer necessarily be the title holders to land, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australians are still connected to the country of their ancestors, and most consider themselves the custodians or caretakers of that land. I just wanted to um, say that for this podcast. So it gives this the protocol of it of acknowledgement or, in particular, welcome to country, some contextual and meaning, sort of deeper meaning.
0: No, that is beautiful and it is a beautiful way of giving that context. I know at an event that I was running recently, the acknowledgement that I did at the start certainly kind of referred to, I guess, the stewardship of the country that Aboriginal people have had for millennia. And that given I do work around governance and stewardship, it's kind of it's giving that lens to it as well. And the quote that you've just given us is really around that stewardship and connection to the land which is so much more deeper than a than ownership which is probably just our perception of things and our rules and laws and not those that have been in place for the last millennia that uh indigenous and aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have cared for our land or cared for that land I shouldn't say our land should I cared for that land
1: Yes. Yeah. It's a lovely
0: quote, I think, from Professor Dodson. Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you. It's a beautiful way of sharing it and really summing it up. I wonder if we can move a little bit, because the other query that I had been asked about is how boards can really contribute to Indigenous reconciliation. You know, what's the board's role in that? And often it's working through a reconciliation action plan, which I have no doubt is an important part of it. There might also be other parts as well. So what's your advice to boards in who want to contribute to Indigenous reconciliation? What's your advice on where they should start and what are some of the things they should consider as a board?
1: It's an interesting question and I think, as you mentioned, um, for organisations, often reconciliation action plans are the first and sometimes the only sort of initiative related to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples that the organisation is involved in, um, and reconciliation action plans actually have um, one of the minimum elements of a RAP, as it's called, often called, have a requirement to have welcome to country and acknowledgement to country protocols for the organisation. So that's a minimum element of a wrap and it helps, I really do think, that helps organisations embed this protocol and articulate when and where they would provide an acknowledgement to country or engage an elder to provide a welcome to country. Um, But at the board level, I think... Having conducting acknowledgement to countries at meetings, I think that's a um, important part of learning and following, I guess, protocol and acknowledging the people, traditional owners where the board is meeting. There's a number of different ways, I guess, you can build the knowledge of board members around Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and engaging with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. And one of the ways is to, um, you can bring in an elder to talk to the board. I think that's a great idea because it's always nice to have face to face contact and conversation and have create a safe space to ask, for board members to ask questions they may not necessarily would ask Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. I think uh, there is a role for board members to be, I guess, champions, which can be attached potentially to. So, if the organisation has a wrap, board members. You, are, I often see in some organisations where board members are the champion of that organisation's wrap and help be communicate to others, other board members or other boards or other organisations, because everyone has their own networks around reconciliation, around the development of a RAP. So RAPs, I see there's different levels of RAPs and I guess there's different intentions of organisations when developing a RAP. I think there's it's broadly... Uh, goodwill and good intentions, but it really comes down to what the core objective is, I think, for RAPS is to um, contribute to organisational change and contribute to reconciliation broadly, internally and externally within the organisation sphere of influence. But I think it really is ultimately organisational change sort of document which or tool and that takes time for any organisational change to happen. I think board members can be champions and for moving towards better opportunities and outcomes for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people that's quite broad because there's so many unfortunately there's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people face a number of socio-economic barriers and are generally and statistics aren't great in a number of areas like justice and health for example board members are often so influential not only at the board level but with their own networks and other boards they might be on or uh, organizations they work for I've said that a bit but I, I do think if Board members are able to be champions and constantly having a conversation. I'm surprised every now and then, but there was a very low level of education about um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples generally. Um, Even myself as an Aboriginal woman, I, I went through all my schooling not really hearing any teachers say anything about Aboriginal and Strait Islander people except some historical sort of aspects and mythological stories like the rainbow serpent or tidlick the frog or something. So the education wasn't really there and it wasn't deep at all. So I learnt from family, from friends, through my career in working in Indigenous affairs and over years sort of built my knowledge and saying that I can't speak on behalf of all Aboriginal people either. So I think, like, I know my bit and can contribute where I can, but I think it's important to be champions.
0: Yeah, which all of us can do whether we're non-Aboriginal board members can also champion these issues. It doesn't need to just be left to Aboriginal people to always be the voice. I I have one other possibly stupid question for you, Amber, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Using Indigenous versus Aboriginal, what's the rules there? I I think if I understand correctly in Victoria, Aboriginal is used quite a bit more than sometimes in other states, but I would love to hear from you. What's the rules around it?
1: Yeah, it is tricky and it's a good question because it, it's a tricky one. I so uh, I don't feel great. so stupid then, that's great. <laughs> My preference honestly would be wherever possible, use Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples mm-hmm. um, rather than Indigenous peoples. However, in saying that indigenous peoples is I guess used when talking about global Indigenous peoples so in that context using Indigenous peoples is makes sense and is appropriate I have noticed I'm from far north Queensland and so um Torres Strait Islander islands are not too well they're far away but they're They're not too far away. And so in North Queensland, for example, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander flags are flown at events and it's quite common to use Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, whereas further down south, like in Melbourne, like you mentioned, Aboriginal is used and it makes sense to represent Aboriginal people I guess using the terms Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, that's inclusive of all Australia's First Peoples. But it is important, I think, to acknowledge and understand that Torres Strait Islander peoples and Aboriginal Australian peoples are different cultures and different peoples. Sometimes that's forgotten or glazed over because there are very different. Distinctions between the two cultures. Ideally, using Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples is, um, or First Nations peoples. Those terms are quite um, are being used more and more.
0: Fantastic. That is so. It's yeah, handy for uh, those of us that sometimes are trying to get it right, but just not sure which way to get it right. (laughs) Oh, Amber, this has been so useful. I know, I mean, like I say, people asked for this topic to be raised and the, some of the advice and information you've provided is just so practical and useful for people. So I'm wondering, what are, what are the main points you want people to take away from this conversation today?
1: I guess the first one is to understand the differences between a welcome to country and acknowledgement to country. And Reconciliation Australia has some guidance around that. Um, I think it's also important to understand place and where you are and really take that time to really think about the environment, the natural built environment around you, before providing an acknowledgement to country. Many people, I, I understand... Some people are, uh, I guess, scared of saying the wrong thing or not confident to to provide an acknowledgement. And I think because of being scared of saying the wrong thing, I think it's important to have a go and try and and utilise scripts or something that can help um, building the confidence to provide acknowledgement to countries.
0: Saying something, even if you're not quite sure if you're going to get it right, is likely to be better than saying nothing at all. Yes, yeah. So even if it's not quite right, if it's genuine and authentic, it's going to be okay, is my guess.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: I was going to ask you for a resource that you might recommend to the community. You've already talked about some resources from Reconciliation Australia, and I'll make sure that we put a link to Reconciliation Australia in the show notes for today's episode. Is there any other resource that you'd like to suggest for the community?
1: There is one, and I think it's it's related to governance, but I think it provides some good information. It covers Acknowledgement to Country and, and Welcome to Country, but other things. The Indigenous Governance Institute um, has a toolkit uh, which I believe was developed with Reconciliation Australia, and it provides lots of great information for to have a look at. It primarily relates to Indigenous governance, but I think it can be useful for boards and board, board members as well to better to better understand Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander ways of doing and being and, and decision making. Uh, roles.
0: I think that would be really useful for the listeners. Absolutely, that sounds fantastic. I'll definitely make sure I put a link to that in the show notes as well. And finally, if this were a board meeting, there would be an action sheet that comes from it. What's one or two actions that you can suggest for the community to do to, you know, to make progress around these issues?
1: Mm, yeah, I think I think the first thing to do is if you don't know. The traditional owners with um, on the lands of which you live and work find out. I think it's also important to even go a little bit further to find out the traditional owners of the land in which you grew up. And I think it's important, as I've mentioned through this podcast, to understand who you are from the land that you're in place, where you are. And that will help build confidence to provide acknowledgement. I think that's one of the takeaway things. I think building confidence also to, to provide an acknowledgement. If, if you haven't, listeners haven't ever provided one or would like to sort of be more, become more confident, developing a script can help.
0: Yes, and maybe their own script rather than one from others or working from one of the other scripts that's provided. Yes, yeah. That is fantastic, Amber. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I know that I am going to put some of this to good use. I'm going to go and find out the traditional owners of the land where I grew up as well and um, do a bit of exploration around that so that I can... I hadn't thought before about making a stronger connection to place in terms of acknowledgement of country. So that's definitely something I will take on. So thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate it. And I know that people are going to take a lot from our conversation today.
1: No worries. Thank you
0: for inviting me to speak to me today. Hi there, it's Helya. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.